So, we come to our story. And what's the thing we, I, we do before I tell you a story in church? Who can remember? Say again, sorry? Imagination. Imagination, that's right. Imagination, well done. Imagination cream, it's the mask. Stuart, I can't hear you so well, so it's, it's muffling you. But, uh, okay, yes, so we need to get the right hand. Okay, if I'm going to think of your right hand, dig deep into the recess of a pocket. If you haven't got a pocket, you may find it in your sock or even in your shoe. And you should find a little container like that. Okay, have you found it, David? You can't find it? Oh, that's the one. Well done. Okay, put it in your opposite hand. Under, hold nice and tight under the lid. Put it somewhere safe and get some of this cream. Okay, it's very good. It's moisturising. Okay, it's very good pH sensitive. Okay, don't forget behind your ears. Okay, don't get any up your nose because it makes you sneeze. Okay, and get the lid, put it back on nice and tight, and put it back into your pocket because you've just applied imagination cream, and imagination cream helps you do what exactly? Imagine, imagine, that's right. Or someone once said, imaginate. It helps you to imagine. And we've got a lot of imagining to do because we're going back not just five years or 10 years, not 15 years, not 20 years, not 50 years or 100 years or even a millennia. We're going back a long, long time back into the past. Because I want to tell you the story about a certain creature called Stefan. Now there's one dinosaur that's very famous among the, uh, all the dinosaurs. And he had very distinctive looks as a long row of large bony plates that ran all the way back down his neck to finish in four large spikes on his tail. It is not because of these rather strange features um, that he's remembered, but it's particularly because inside his thin, long head, he had the brain the size of a walnut. We are, of course, talking about the Stegosaurus. Indeed, it was due to the small size of the Stegosaurus brains that this prehistoric creature is believed to be the most stupidest of all the dinosaurs. And it was certainly true of one dinosaur who lived back in those hot Jurassic balmy days. And that was the Stegosaurus by the name of Stefan. Now, Stefan lived in a lush valley. He lived in a lush valley filled with many beautiful, tasty plants but he liked to munch on day by day. You see, although a Stegosaurus may have looked particularly vicious with those long bony plates down his back and those four large spikes on the end of his tail, all a Stegosaurus liked to do really was munch on leaves all day. He wasn't a meat eater, he was a vegetarian. In fact, the only reason for those four, those four long spikes on the end of his tail was to make sure he didn't get any leaves stuck between his teeth. He wasn't, friend, he wasn't unfriendly. He was strictly a plant eater, enjoyed nothing more than browsing on the valley floor, munching away whatever he could find. Now one day as Stefan was humming to himself, as he rambled through the undergrowth, when suddenly his peace was disturbed by a low rumbling sound. <laughs> Do what's that noise? He said looking around him. Not seeing any reason for the noise, he thought, it must be my tummy rumbling. Time to eat again. I need to eat lots of greens. My mum said it helps your brain get bigger. She also said I should try to eat a forest. I wonder what she meant by that. So he began to look around at some of the lush leaves to munch upon them. As he bent his head to nibble on a large plant, he felt the ground tremble slightly. And then he heard a loud rumbling noise. 
<laughs> all right, all right, Tommy, he said, looking down at his large green belly. The food's on its way down. The ground continues to rumble and shudder, and suddenly there was an earth-shattering explosion. It sounded as if the whole valley had exploded, and bits of burning rock and ash began to fall all around him. The sun seemed to dim as the whole forest went very, very dark. Stefan looked up and immediately saw for the cause of the smoke was a large volcano at the bottom of the valley that had detonated. Its top had been blown clean off the smoke and poured smoke poured from that green deep crater that had once been the summit of the mountain. Golly, he said. Mount Krakenwall's exploded. Its peak is gone. Oh well. That should provide for interesting change in scenery. And he began to munch on more leaves. A few moments later, he heard even more rumbling in the forest. And Stefan looked up to see hundreds of dinosaurs running towards him. The ground shuddered beneath their, their feet of their mighty, under the weight of their mighty feet as one by one these dinosaurs rushed past him, crashing through the undergrowth and heading up the valley. Well, said Stefan, I wonder what's frightened all those dinosaurs. Perhaps they're in a race. All the same, I better go and take a look. So while the entire dinosaur population of the valley ran one way, Stefan the Stegosaurus went the other way to see what all the fuss was about. However, the journey wasn't easy. For the further he went down the valley, the denser and denser the smoke and the smell of burning became. I wish there wasn't all this smoke, thought Stefan. I can't see what frightened all the dinosaurs. And just then, he came to a clearing on the edge of the forest. And Stefan saw something that was very big, that was very slowly moving towards him. It covered the entire valley floor. It was that big, and it glowed a bright orange colour. What's more, it was smoking, and everything that it touched immediately burst into flame. Cool. That's a strange-looking dinosaur, thought Stefan. I've never seen an orange dinosaur before. It's so big, it's everywhere. And walking up to the slow-moving substance, Stefan said, Hello there, orange dinosaur. Welcome to the valley. My name's Stefan, and I'm what they call a Stephosophilus or something. And, and I'm very friendly, and it's nice to meet you. But the orange substance made no reply. Uh, um... Oh, you're a bit shy, he said. Don't like to talk, then. <laughs> I was shy when I first came into the valley, but when I got to know everyone, I soon stopped being shy. But still, the substance said nothing. It just slowly moved closer. Then Stefan saw how smoky it was. Oh, I should stop smoking if I were you, he said. It's very bad for your health, and it does get in everyone's eyes, and it makes them cry. Oh, oh, he said. He screamed in pain as suddenly the orange substance had began to touch one of his feet. That's not a very nice thing to do, he said. I was only trying to be friendly. There's no need to bite me. And then Stefan did something very strange, something very unusual. He began to think. He thought about what had happened, and it suddenly occurred to him in a blinder flash of inspiration that it might be this monster all the other dinosaurs were running from. Oh no, shouted Stefan. I must get away. This dinosaur must be a meat eater. And so he turned and splashed his way across a small stream and went back into the cover of the forest. He ran and ran for what seemed like ages 
and he eventually came to another clearing. But to his horror, he saw that the orange dinosaur was also in that clearing. You again! How'd you get ahead of me here? He shouted. And again he ran back into the trees. The problem was no matter where he went, this strange orange substance was so big it seemed to be everywhere. Stefan could not escape the orange substance. It was going to catch him and it was going to eat him. And finally in sheer desperation, he sat down exhausted and he began to cry. I'm lost. I'm stuck in the middle of this valley and the orange monster is all around me and I'm too stupid to find my way out. I'm going to be a dino burger. You sound very upset, said a deep voice above him. Stefan looked up into the kind eyes of a dinosaur with a very long neck. Oh, I am, sobbed Stefan. I'm surrounded by a horrible orange dinosaur that smokes all the time and bites you if you get too close. That's no dinosaur, said the creature. That's lava. It's rock that's become so hot that it's melted and poured out from the inside of the volcano that's exploded an hour ago. When a volcano explodes, lava often pours out of the crater. Well, whatever it is, it doesn't like me, and I don't like it, said Stefan. But why are you still here? Why have you escaped with all the other dinosaurs? Well, um, I was just taking the last look at the place before I left, said the massive creature. By the way, my name's Dennis, Dennis the Diplodocus. Who are you? I'm Stefan, Stefan the Stegosophus, something or other. Well, Stefan, the Stegosophus, something or other, dry the tears as I can help you escape. You can't help me, said Stefan. I'm a Stegosophus, and everyone knows that we're the most stupid dinosaurs that ever existed. You'll never help me find my way out of here. Well, you may not be able to do it on your own, said Dennis, but you can if you follow me. Follow you, replied Stefan. Why should I follow you? There's no way out of this mess. How will you help me? I'll show you, said Dennis. And the massive creature stood up on its hind legs and poked his head out of the forest canopy above all the smoke so they could see the way to go. There, shouted Dennis in a faraway voice. I can see the way out of the valley. With my long neck, I can get above the forest and see the way to go. That's... That's pretty bent, said Stefan. All I need to do is follow you. <coughs> and then his forehead furrowed, and he asked, But how do I know you'll take me the right way? I mean, I'm not very clever, and you may trick me or something. I won't trick you, said Dennis. You don't need brains to follow me, just faith. Follow me, and I'll lead you out the valley and away from the lava. Okay, said Stefan. I don't know why, I, I think I can trust you, as you do have a kind face. So Stefan followed Dennis the Diplodocus, and using his long neck, the mighty dinosaur led the frightened stegosaur out of the valley and into the safety of the hills. When they finally reached a safe distance, they both looked back down the valley below, and it was now completely engulfed in flames. You did it! You did it! shouted Stefan. And you know what, Dennis? So did I. I followed you and you got me out. Just goes to show that I'm not so stupid after all. No, you're not, said Dennis. It doesn't take brains to get out of the valley, just someone to guide you and a little bit of trust. Fiona is now going to bring to us our reading. 
Um, the readings, John chapter 14, verse 1 to 6. <clears throat> Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He was searching for a way out. But in the smoke and the confusion of that burning forest, he was just running around in circles. And the molten lava was getting ever closer to his feet. He was in danger of becoming a dino burger. And in this busy world, many of us spend a lot of our time running around in circles, getting giddier by the minute, not knowing the right way to go and not having the confidence that our future path will get, get us anywhere nearer that safety and security that we really seek. Now, some people try and find security and comfort and the future by consulting mediums or they look at the stars in, in, or, um, in, in, in the papers or they consult with mystics. And one lady decided that she needed the help of a psychic and she went online and found an advert and found a mystic online called Misguided. And she decided to make an appointment misguided and she met with the psychic in a dark room on which sat a circular table and a single flickering candle. And for many minutes the mystic just gazed at her palm. And then she suddenly said, Well, there's no easy way for me to tell you this, so I'm going to have to be quite blunt. Okay, said the woman, I'm ready for bad news, just tell me. The mystic said, you must prepare yourself to become a widow. Your palm clearly shows that very soon your husband is going to die a grisly death. The woman sat there silently for a while before she said, well, I guess then the most important question is, will I get away with it? <laughs> Guidance is not found in the stars. It's not found in the cards. It's not found in your palms. But it does take putting your hand in the hand of someone else. And people often talk about Christianity as if it were a religion. But the word religion does not do the Christian faith justice. The Oxford English Dictionary defines religion as, and I quote, action or conduct indicating belief in, obedience to, and reverence for a god, gods, or super, similar superhuman power, the performance of religious rites or observances. That defines what religion is, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. But that does not define what I am as a Christian, or what I have in my life through being a Christian, through being a follower of Jesus. Because I was once like Stefan, running around in circles, trying to find the way out of a mess that I got myself into, trying to find a way to peace and security, when I heard a voice from above, from a person called Jesus. And it was he that led me out of that crisis. You see, there's only one way, one path, and one route to true happiness. And it's not religion, it is 
a relationship that's important. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus did not say, follow lots of writings or learn to sing in a nice, quiet-like voice, and that will save you, that will make you a Christian. He said simply, follow me. His call to the fishermen was on the beach, follow me. His call to us in the 21st century, it's as simple as that, it is follow me. It is come my way. You see, Christianity is from first to last a relationship. It's why the great story of the Hebrew people begins with a man called Abraham. And in the Old Testament, several times, and in the New Testament, Abraham is described as being a friend of God. A friend of God. It is a relationship. In the Garden of Eden, having just made Adam and Eve, we find that God walks with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening every day. Our God is a God who wants a relationship. He wants us to know him, to walk with him, to follow him. He is a living God who wants to engage with us in our lives. That's why it's exciting being a Christian and why religion doesn't do it for me, but relationship does. Because through relationship, I know the God of the universe, my creator and my savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said this simple verse John 14, verse 6, and this is a verse I really encourage you all to commit to memory. He said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the way. It's only by following him that we find the way. No one comes to the Father except through me, says Jesus. There's no other way to God, no other path, no other route. It is Jesus, the way. And then he said, I am the truth. And if you're looking for truth, Jesus is it. Remember the Roman governor, Pilate, Pontius Pilate, who stood in front of Jesus and said, what is truth? Pilate, the great politician, the great cynic, what is truth? And the truth was standing right in front of him. Not just truth, but the truth. And Pilate couldn't see it. All he could see was political ambition, promotion and getting the next step up the ladder. He didn't go upwards though. His life continually went downwards. Pilate didn't get it. And Jesus was standing right in front of him. And he crucified him. And Jesus said, I'm the life. Where we find him, we find the purpose of life, both here and in eternity. Jesus comes to give us life now. Not just life in the future, he comes to give us life now because we start following Jesus now. People who assume that Christianity is all about the future and say, well, on my deathbed, I'll finally turn to Jesus and follow him. Well, that's wonderful, as long as your deathbed's not a juggernaut that hits you at 70 miles an hour. Or it's a heart attack that takes you in an instant. Or it's in some other tragic, quick death, or even when you're sleeping. Jesus said, now is the time. Not in the future, because now is the time, because we spend this life following Jesus. We begin eternity now. We start building the kingdom of God now. It is a relationship. And we begin to enjoy the presence, the three Ps, peace, purpose, and power, 
They begin now when we start to follow Jesus Christ. You know, many people believe they have the best there is in life. They really do. They're out there searching the, the stores and the shops of Colchester for the best purchases, the best sales, the best whatever they're searching for. Of course, unfortunately, in the consumer generation, it's only the best for as long as you've got it. And then next week, next month, next year, the new best comes out. It's never really the best. It's only a temporary fix. But Jesus gives the best there is. He said, I've come to give them life, life in all its fullness. You know, there's a world out there that people have yet to discover. Christopher Columbus, the famous Spanish explorer, was buried, is buried in Valladolid in Spain. I wonder if we can show that slide, please, of the, uh, the statue there. This is a statue that was built. And when Christopher, uh, Christopher Columbus died in 1506, they built this monument to him of the great explorer. And perhaps the most interesting feature of this memorial is the line. Now, if you look on the memorial itself, you'll see on the, I'm trying to think from your angle, on the left-hand side, you'll see a, a line reaching his paw out and he's holding a letter. You see, before Columbus made his voyages, the Spaniards... Um, thought that they'd reached the outer limits of the earth. And so this, the motto of the Spanish people used to be ni plus ultra, ni plus ultra, which literally means no more beyond. No more beyond. They've discovered the, the size of the world. So that was the, 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 the motto of the Spanish people, ni plus ultra, no more beyond. But in that picture of the line, you'll see the line is pulling away the, the end, the start of the word no, the ni. But no, in that expression. And what that symbolizes is, in fact, Christopher Columbus proved that it wasn't the case of no more beyond. It was more beyond. The lion is tearing away the no and showing that there's more beyond. And Jesus is the lion of Judah. He tears away the no and he shows it in our lives. There is more beyond this life. More to this life than the materialism and consumerism, the materialism than, than, than this body and this flesh. There's much more to life. And if you don't know Jesus Christ and you aren't on the way following the truth, you are not experiencing the life. There is more beyond. So many people, like the Spanish people, have the motto, no more beyond, and they're living in a small universe, in a small world, and there's a vast and better world out there but they're convinced they've explored all there is to explore. And Jesus comes to rip out that no, to give us plus ultra, plus ultra, more beyond this life. This is what Stefan learnt in that forest. He's a trust, a dinosaur, a diplodocus called Dennis. And we need to put our, our, heart, our hand in the hand of Jesus Christ. And follow him because he wants to give us the best there is because there's more beyond this world. He is the way, the truth and the life. He wants to give you more than this world could ever offer if only we learn to follow him and go his way and believe his truth and receive his life. Amen.